just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Sunday, kind of a lazy fuck around and do nothing day. That said, I'm doing a podcast, mainly because I didn't do a podcast last Sunday. Got a little shit for it. So here I am. There's a lot of stuff going on this past week, but on Sundays it's kind of low-key as far as new news stories. I think we've got some things coming up this week that will be interesting. So a lot of what happens on the Sunday podcast, we kind of recap some things that happen on Thursday and Friday, and a lot of times more information comes out about those things. So that's kind of how this podcast will go. Yesterday morning, I had uh, my favorite experiences on the weekends. My wife and I went out to see my grandson play basketball which was fun. Ten-year-olds playing basketball, that's a high level of talent. (laughs) But it's great fun to watch. And, of course, my granddaughter's there, and uh, she walks up to me as after a couple of periods. She walks up to me across the court, says, Grandpa, hallway. (laughs) I go, what? She goes, hallway. We're going the hallway. And that's what she likes to do. She likes to go out there and run and meet people and talk to people and, and such. So it was a good morning. Now I had to get up and be there at 8 o'clock, and I'm about 45 minutes away from where I had to be. So I had to get up fucking early. And uh, it was all worth it. You know, it's funny. When you get old, you've got to take these medications to cover up your aches and pains. It's amazing when I get a hug from my granddaughter, it's kind of like the hyper-medical treatment because all of a sudden I feel better emotionally, physically, all those sorts of things. She's running down a hallway. The last thing this motherfucker would ever do is run. But when she's running down the hallway, somebody's got to stay with her. So I'm running, or at least walking really fast. So she's causing me to do a little cardio workout, and I'm appreciative of that. After that, it was kind of a relaxing day. My wife and I did some shopping, did some things, you know. And I started thinking, and I do that sometimes. (laughs) I just sit and think about general things, not necessarily news. And... uh, I started thinking about the way society is right now, some of the crazy shit that's going on, whether it be Donald Trump, the people that are around Donald Trump, the people that follow Donald Trump, uh, this guy who attacked Paul Pelosi, uh, Mike Lindell, all these people. And I'm just taken aback by how stupid some of these people appear. And I began to wonder... Have I elevated myself to so intelligent or have these people diminished to something so stupid? And when I say I becoming more intelligent, I mean me and all of you because we're all of a like mind. But there seems to be a bigger separation between the smart and the dumb. 
Let me explain that to you. Remember when George W. Bush was in office? At that moment, prior to Donald Trump becoming president, you could have heard me say, George W. Bush is the dumbest president we've ever had. He is the dumbest motherfucker I've ever seen. And at that time, I believed it. And I still think George W. Bush is not the uh, sharpest tack. But it's funny, for as dumb as I thought he was, still things were kind of normal. Then when Donald Trump took over, the level of stupidity rose to such a level, I'm going, what the fuck? Have we finally gotten to that point where there's a separation between those that are intelligent and normal and reasonable and mature and the people that are just flat out stupid? Now, I've said before when it comes to racism, and this may be the stupidity angle too, when Donald Trump became president of the United States, somehow that made it okay for racist, misogynists, anti-Semites, insurrectionists, and apparently the stupid to come out from under their rocks and expose themselves to the world. It just seems like the level of stupid is far worse than I've ever seen it in my life. The Republicans will want to call us woke. Now, I don't know why that's a bad thing. Care about other people. The opposite of woke would be asleep. So if they prefer to be asleep to what's going on in this country, and they clearly do, they can fucking have it. I'll be woke. It doesn't matter to me. But we sit here and we listen to some of the most ridiculous Ridiculous shit. We've got members of Congress saying things that are absolutely absurd, border on gaslighting, and just flat out lying. When do we get to that point? Well, it seems Donald Trump is that pivot point when things got really racist, really anti-Semitic, and really fucking dumb. Now, people will think that all of a sudden we became dumb, we became racist. But we didn't. All of what we see now was always there. It's just that they're more visible now. and They've risen to the surface. And it's really kind of disturbing. As we're growing up, we're going to school. We're taught that uh, the United States is a superior country. That we are the best of the best. We have the best military. We have the best government. We have all the best things. But since Donald Trump became president, we've been shown otherwise. I don't know that we're the best. I don't think our government is the best, at least the way it's being run currently. So over and above defeating the whole trump fuck effort, we've got to somehow get this country back to being respectable again, back to being smart and intelligent and unified. And that's going to be a hard thing to do. I mean, now that we know these people that are so different from us are out there, and now that they've been exposed, yeah, they could go back under their rocks, but we now know that they exist, just waiting for another chance to come out from under the rocks. And that's a little frustrating, a little disturbing to me. I thought better of this country, but apparently I thought wrong. The only thing we can do 
as like-minded people, intelligent people, is to keep talking and keep pushing. Will we ever be able to change those people, get them to think properly and decently? No, we won't. We've been trying for six years to get these people to understand facts and truth, but they refuse. So the idea that we might be able to change them is absolutely ridiculous. We're not going to do that. What we need to do is push them down back under the rocks if we can, but never ever forget that they are there, just waiting for their next chance. And that's why we're at such a pivotal point right now in our government. Democrats control the White House, Democrats control the Senate, yet the Republicans do have a minor majority in the House of Representatives. And it's not surprising that when we listen to what the House of Representatives is doing now, it's just fucking absurd. It's just ridiculous. Since they've been in office this short time, uh, going on a month now, they haven't passed a single bill. And they probably won't pass many bills, and any bills that they pass will go to the Senate and either won't be voted on or voted out. So instead, they decide to spew this crazy shit. And we have to make sure that that's not acceptable. And the only way we can make sure that that's not acceptable is by teaching them a lesson. We can't teach them truth and facts because they don't want to learn that. The only way they're going to learn is getting their ass kicked in the 2024 election. So, as much as people in the Republican Party just vote along party lines, I want Republican people just to watch what's happening. And then ask yourself, do you feel comfortable being part of this crowd? And I'm talking about people in the House of Representatives, too. We know they're divided. We have the MAGA group, and we have people that presume themselves to be normal. I would question that from our standpoint, but in their regard, uh, in their own perception, they see them more normal. Now, they can continue to vote along party lines, but that's going to connect them into MAGA, and that's not what they want. There has to be some kind of change going on with the Republican Party if the Republican Party hopes to survive. <clears throat> now, whether or not the Republican Party survives, I don't give a fuck. But that said, we do need a second party. We need another party in order for democracy to work. A strong party, whether it be Republican or name something else. We need a second party. So that's why we're in a tough position. We want to knock down the Republicans, and we should, because they're trying to destroy this country. But we can't be left with just one strong party and nobody else, because that would cause some problems, too. Make no mistake, the Democrats think they have ultimate power and they can do whatever they want. They fucking will. And what they want to do won't necessarily be for us. Again, I've said before, they had many opportunities to uh, codify Roe v. Wade, and they chose not to. And now they're kicking themselves for it. Hopefully they've learned a lesson. Between now and 2024, there's going to be some massive changes. There's going to be some interesting things going on. 
We heard Fonnie Willis say that uh, there is going to be future defendants in her investigation of overturning the election in, uh, in Georgia. And decisions are imminent. And I find it kind of interesting that Georgia came out, uh, the governor came out and upped the security in Georgia. They tried to blame it on this shooting in Tennessee, or this uh, beating death in, in Tennessee. Uh, but we see that um, not much has come out of it. I mean, there's been some protest and maybe a little violence, but nothing like George Floyd. And the question is, why? Well, there's a bunch of reasons for it. We've got a black man that was beat to death by five black police officers. Had they been white, it might have been a different story. But there's another factor here. Um, whenever a white cop beats up people of color or shoots people of color, there's always some question and some time frame before there's any accountability, any indictments, any firings or any suspensions. But not in this case, not in Tennessee. Before the video was ever released... And I had occasion to watch it. Not the greatest thing to watch. I, I didn't want to watch it, but I felt like I had to watch it. And it was fucking appalling. But before that video was released, those five black police officers were fired and charged with second-degree murder, along with some other things. I found that kind of interesting. These men were charged immediately, like within a couple of weeks after the incident. That didn't happen with uh, Derek Chauvin or some of these other white cops that have been involved in murders of uh, black suspects. Now, you got all these dumb fucks out there making these statements about burning down cities because they always equate you know, the riots from George Floyd to the insurrection, and there's no comparison there. But they're making comments now about how the action was quick and all that sort of thing, and, and, and there was no big riots like we saw with George Floyd. And I think the police departments across this country could maybe learn a very quick lesson from why that was the case. It wasn't, well, it might have been because these police officers are black. I don't know that for sure, but uh, it seems kind of interesting. But one of the reasons why you didn't have the, the crazy and hugely violent um, protests is because the police department took quick action on it. A white cop kills a black motorist, and nothing happens to that person right away. We've got to wait. We've got to dick around. People in this country want one thing, and it's the hardest thing for all of us to find. That is fucking justice. These black cops that murdered this uh, 29-year-old black man in Tennessee we saw some justice being meted out with their firings and uh, the indictments. They did what they did. The video shows it, and they recorded the fucking video of all things. What happened in Tennessee is exactly what should happen. But unfortunately, in other states and in situations where there are white cops, uh, 
it doesn't happen that way. And immediately, people of color and even white people in this country say there's no fucking justice. And you see what happens when people believe there is no justice. They get pissed and they riot and there is violence. So maybe police departments should learn a lesson. This won't be the last time something like this happens, sadly, because we've done nothing to repair it. But maybe, maybe future police departments that have these same situations will learn something. Show the people of your state, show the people of this country that there is fucking justice still in this country. I found it interesting that Georgia, the state of Georgia, I don't know if it was Brian Camp or who, but they ramped up security in Georgia and they said it was for this uh, murder in Tennessee. Maybe they were thinking that something along the lines of George Floyd riots were going to happen and they thought they needed to protect themselves. But the interesting thing, they ramped up this security for 15 days through, I don't know, February 9th. Is that really about the uh, killing in Tennessee? I find that hard to imagine. I mean, even if there were some riots in Georgia, it certainly wouldn't go out 15 days. Or maybe, just maybe, it has something to do with what Fonnie Willis said. Decisions are imminent. Future defendants. She's gone through the grand jury. Does that mean this coming week or next week we are going to see indictments? Do the police departments, does Brian Kent know something we don't know? Now, I don't know. You don't know. We're not being told anything yet. But that's an interesting signal, don't you think? And if that's the case, I want to say this. If Donald Trump is indicted in Georgia, if his little acolytes are indicted in Georgia, you're not going to see the mass riots. You're not going to see the attacks on the courthouse or the state capitol or anything like that. And the very reason why there will be no major attacks on that is because fucking the state of Georgia is already ready for it. These Trumplifocks, these Republicans, are nothing more than bullies. And the one thing about bullies, they don't walk into anything unless they're sure they're going to win. And with Joe Biden in office and uh, all we know from the insurrection, that will never happen again. Not that way. They will not get somebody protecting them like Donald Trump or the DOJ or members of Congress. They won't get that protection. And because they won't get that protection they won't be fucking doing it again. That's not to say there won't be some crazy guys or two guys here and there. That probably will happen. But the moment Fonnie Willis indicts Donald Trump, I think you're going to see just the opposite. You will see cheering in the, she- in the streets. And why will they be cheering in the streets? Well, for once in the last six years, Now they're seeing some fucking justice. Just the first time they're seeing some justice. The state, the National Guard, the police departments, they're all ready for it too. There's not going to be big hordes of fucking Trumplifucks attacking anybody. Because if they do, they're in some fucking deep shit and they won't survive the next attack. 
And because they're bullies, they know this, and they aren't going to fuck around because they do not want to find this out. All right, I've got some uh, emails I want to do uh, talk to you about. First one comes from Deborah. Actually, both emails come from somebody named uh, Deborah, I think. First one goes by Deborah. The next one goes by Deb. Okay, first one. <clears throat> Dear Boomer, I listened to you about your story of your dad. I understand by listening to your story, my dad, I didn't like. And if I had uh, been living, had he been living, my kids would have never been around him. I kept my kids from my family. My mother was good, but I moved then, my brother and sister, and I never got along. I was the youngest. They they would uh, tell me they would never tell me anything about our mother, like if she was sick or in the hospital. She passed away, and she passed away in 2011. She had four kids. My brother is going is going one sister, and my oldest sister. Well, she still tells the story that I'm all wrong, and I'm so glad I listened to what you said. Boomer Radio, thank you for. Thank you, Deborah. God bless you and your family, Deborah. Yeah, I, I know what you I know what you mean, Deborah. There's always dissenters in families who will deny the misdeeds of fathers or mothers or whoever it is. I don't really have that as much in my family. My brother and I are on the same page. We are a year apart, so we grew up together through the worst of it. My two sisters came along later. And by virtue of them being female, they didn't really have as much impact from my father. That said, they know of his misdeeds and his treatment of our mother. Um, They didn't really deal with him as much as as adults as we did, too. So we had being kids and we had being adults and it was never better. It never got any better. And it was a horrible thing. And you're absolutely right. And what I said before people would come to me and say, you know, you shouldn't hate your dad. That's just going to eat you up. Well, the fact of the matter, it doesn't. Like I said before, anything behind me, I've forgotten. I'm moving forward and I let shit go. That's why I don't have stress. And that's why I don't have an upset stomach normally. I'm fine. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking at now and looking ahead. And whatever behind me has no impact on me anymore because I won't allow it. Now, I do have two sisters who maybe question some of the thoughts or some of the things my brother and I have said, and that's fine if they want to do that. I don't, I don't see either one of them too much. Uh, my one sister, I've told you before, is kind of married to a Trump humper, and we've had our issues, and I have no need to interact with them because as much as I was concerned about my father's um, my father's situation with my family. I didn't want, I you know, I wasn't angry at him. I wasn't upset with him. I didn't hate him. I just said, okay, you're out of it. You're not in my life right now. I'm an adult now. I have that option. And the only reason I didn't bring him around my family is because I didn't want that dark cloud that he brought. And it sounds like, Deborah, you're in that same situation. I mean, when we get to a point when we're adults, and we have our own families. 
It's nice to be able to love and uh, respect your mother and father, but your priority is that family. While my mother was alive, she was obviously involved with my kids. My father was not. He wasn't even around. He, he expressed no interest in it, so that's fine. I, there was no fight. Oh, let me see your kids. He didn't care about that. He wasn't around. <laughs> there was one instance <laughs> that makes me laugh all the time, and it's really kind of dark, but it's it does make me laugh. My grandfather passed away. This was my father's father. And we were at a funeral, and my youngest son was probably four or five years old. Now, I hadn't seen my father in a long time, but as is the case with my father, he's all about putting on a show. So I'm at the funeral, and I'm standing there, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now. I'm married. I have kids. I have a mortgage. I have all that shit. I'm really not needing to bend and kiss the ring of my father. <clears throat> so anyway... I'm standing there, and he comes up, and he puts his arm around my shoulders. And I look at him like, what the fuck? I haven't seen you in 10 years, and now you're coming over and being buddy-buddy to me because my grandpa died, your father died? It ain't about you, motherfucker. And so I kind of wiggled out of that. And then my young son come walking up, and he's saying, dad, 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 dad. And my father bent down in front of my son, and he said, Hey, how you doing, buddy? I bet you don't remember me. <laughs> my son looked him in the face, and he goes, Nope, and he ran away. <laughs> kind of embarrassing for my father, but it, it was it was an honest, honest comment by my kid. He didn't know who he was. He may have met him once when he was a little, little kid, but there's no way he would ever remember him, so... It's interesting. <laughs> I know what you're saying, Deborah. All we can do is do the best for our kids and our grandkids. And any problems or bad people from the past, we should try to keep them away, those situations and those people away from our kids. So hopefully our kids have a better, better childhood and a better future. That's our job as parents and grandparents right now. All right, this next one comes to me from, or comes to us, from Deb. She says, in a perfect world, dot, 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 dot. Hi, Mike, this is my grown-up rational boomer wish list. Let's see what you can do. Okay, what am I, fucking rational boomer Santa Claus? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. First, the Justice Department gets their thumbs out of their collective asses and gets the show on the road. Indict Trump now, then immediately indict all his fucking idiot cohorts. Go to trial, ASAP, and convict. Couldn't agree more. It goes back to what I said before. It's about time that this country and the people of this country see some justice. We've spent a long time not seeing justice. And as taxpayers and citizens of this country, that should be the very least we can expect. She goes on to say, next, have the Supreme Court revamp, pack it, enlarge it to the correct number of circuits. There are now 13. I think when I say revamp, this would include changing everything. No more life appointments, no more rules 
um, implementation a set of rules that they would have to follow, including time frame needed to pass through new judges. No more McConnell's hypocritical shit. Revamp the National Archives. These morons have one job, just one. Keep track of the documents and they fuck it up. There obviously needs to be a better system in place and people held accountable for missing documents. Well, I agree with everything you said. We could stand to pack the Supreme Court. And what she's talking about is the circuits. We have nine Supreme Court justices. And when we expanded to nine Supreme Court justices, it was because we had nine circuit courts. It made sense. Well, as she pointed out, we now have 13 circuit courts, so it only makes sense we expand the Supreme Court to 13 Supreme Court justices. And if Joe Biden could appoint those four justices, then we could get some balance back on the court and uh, hopefully get on track to straightening things out because our Supreme Court is no longer supreme. It's a fucking kangaroo court, and it's embarrassing. Now, the thing about it is, Deb, in order to do that, we're going to need a little more power than we have. So in order to do that, we may not be able to do that until 2024, assuming we hold the majority in the Senate and we get the majority and expand it some in the House. Then I think we could probably do that. Now, that said, it could come quicker than that. We have some issues with uh, sitting Supreme Court justices, Clarence Thomas sleeping with the enemy, Judge Alito, Kevin, uh, Kevin, Brett Kavanaugh, with all this new information coming out about his um, sexual misbehavior, I'll put it that way. Might we see some Supreme Court justices... Uh, Impeached? Well, we might, but not as long as the Republicans have any kind of control in the House of Representatives. Now, the House of Representatives could change dramatically before the two-year time limit of 2024. We start getting indictments in the sitting members of Congress that were involved in the attempted coup. That could change some things. Because the margin is so slim, we could see deaths. We could see other indictments for people not having to do with the insurrection and them getting blown out. George Santos will certainly be blown out of there. And if there is a special election, and there would be, there's a good chance a Democrat will be voted in after George Santos fucked it up for the Republicans as badly as he did. I mean, George Santos is kind of a unicorn. The seat that George Santos holds was a Democrat before. And you could probably bet that if George Santos gets out, gets kicked out, and there is a special election, that they might very well um, elect a Democrat, which would make the margin even thinner. There's a lot of things that could happen. But things have to change before we can accomplish those things, Deb. Then she says, we need to set term limits, two terms, and age cutoffs for public offices, thinking 65 to 70. Biden should be the one that passes this and then gives him an out 
a reason not to run in 2024. Get all of these old farts out of office. It's time for some new blood. No one over 70 should serve in either the Senate or the House and definitely not in the White House. Get rid of all the antiquated, stupid old rules, i.e. the filibuster. Couldn't agree with you more. Again. But here's the problem with term limits. Everybody says we need term limits. And I think we can all agree that we need term limits. I just don't see that happening. Because you know who would decide on whether there be term limits? It would be Congress. Why would Congress put term limits on themselves? At least the way the Congress is now. Maybe down the road when we start getting the new blood in, the millennials and the Gen Zs, and they start taking office, maybe they will have enough sense to do something like that. But we've got a lot of people approaching 70. And you know what? I think 70 is a good number. And this is coming from a guy who's 62. I'm not that far off from 70. But I think at that point, you're right at that tipping point where you're going to lose a step. I'm not even talking dementia or anything like that. But at 70 years old, you're kind of out of touch of what's going on today. You're living in the past. You're maybe a little slower and a little less courageous when you get to be 70 because you're more fragile. So I agree with you there. Then she says, redo the senators for each state. It's not right that a state with 52 representatives only has two senators, the same as a state that only has one representative. Get rid of the Electoral College. It's old and ridiculous. That's a good point. We got California, who has two senators, and all kinds of representatives. Then we have Wyoming who has one representative and also has two senators. That doesn't make any sense. Mathematically speaking, that makes no fucking sense. And you nailed it on the head. It's just a matter of how do you do that. Again, it's only going to come through the Democrats, so we need to get some more power with the Democrats. And as I said, going into the midterms, when, when it comes down to it, the bottom line, the onus is really on us. We're the ones that have to elect the right people, put the power in the proper places so they can do our bidding. We're doing that in the Senate. We did that in the presidency, but we fell short in the House of Representatives. We need all three in order to do that. Ed was on the show, the last podcast, and he said we need 16 years of Democratic control in order to fix things. And I think he's probably right with that. I mean, with as much stuff as we have that's fucked up, we need 16 years. And that includes the four that we now have with Biden. So we need 12 more. What we need is Biden or whoever the Democratic candidate is to be elected in 2024. And then from um, 2028 to, um, what would that be, 36, we'd need Democrats as well. So what we need to do is have the Democrats hold the presidency for the full eight years, which would be 2028. And then we need another Democratic president to handle it and hold on to it from 2028 to, um, to 2036. God, I think about those fucking dates, man. 2036, I'll be 86 years old. 
<laughs> I'll be doing the podcast when I'm 86 years old, and the extent of it will be doing reviews on on adult diapers. <laughs> Let's hope not. Anyway, she finishes out by saying, that's a good start. So how do we go about getting this done? Love your show. Love your voice. You make my day, Deb. Well, Deb, you made my day today, too. So thank you. And I love what you had to say here. I agree with everything from top to bottom that you said. And you're absolutely right. How do you get this done? Well, I tried to explain it as we went along there. But the most important thing is this isn't something we can fix quickly. It's going to take some time to do it. And we need some things to fall into place. And we need everybody out there, you, me, everybody, to do the job and get the proper people in positions of power so it can be done. And you know what? I think it will. I mean, I think the Republicans are pretty much destroying themselves. They're basically handing it to the Democrats. So I think that will come. Hopefully it comes and all these things are rectified before I turn 86. But if that's what it takes, what the fuck? All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Just an aside from the uh, first half of the podcast. You know, people of color have gone through a lot in this country. They've been marginalized. They've been mistreated. They've been violated. They've been murdered. And you would hear people of color, even to this day, say, no justice, no peace. Now, a lot of people, the racists would say, oh, they're, they're threatening violence. No, they're not threatening violence. But they're not going to hold their mouths. They're not going to not take action. And I think we as a people, whether we be black, white, Asian, whatever, I think all of us are hungry for some justice. For a long time, it seems like there is no justice for the elite, the politicians, the wealthy, the famous. They always seem to get away with everything. If politicians were smart, they'd recognize that and see the red flag, that people are getting tired of the fact that there is no justice. And I want to um, sidle up next to those people of color that say no justice, no peace, and say the same fucking thing. And when I say no peace, again, I'm not talking about violence any more than the people of color are. I'm talking about getting loud, getting in their face, and shouting them down until we finally do get some justice. I see it coming, but it's taking too fucking long. We need to get that fucking done right now for the people of color, color, for the people of this country, regardless of color. There's a lot of injustice out there, and we're fucking tired of it. And we need to yell about it. Raise holy hell. Disturb the peace, if you will. Anyway, we were talking about stupid people in this country, and uh, this is a group amongst those stupid people. Not only the person committing the crime, but the people in the Republican Party that are trying to distract, divert, and delay as they do. We know about the gentleman that broke into Nancy Pelosi's house with the idea of kidnapping her, breaking her kneecaps, or doing whatever. 
Well, fortunately, Nancy Pelosi wasn't in the House, but her husband was, an 82-year-old gentleman by the name of Paul Pelosi. He was there. This man broke in, hit him in the head with a hammer, and uh, there was a lot of uproar with that from people in the Democratic Party. But what do we hear from the Republicans? They came up with all kinds of conspiracy theories. Oh, Paul just let him in. Oh, it's a gay lover. Really, motherfucker? Paul's 82 years old. Is Paul really thinking about having sex with anybody? I mean, I'm 62, and I'm not thinking like I did when I was 32. And the question I always had to people when they say that, well, it was his gay lover, and he brought it in. It was just a uh, lover's spat. Fuck you. You just pulled that out of your ass and it means fucking nothing. But you think you can say that and control the narrative and somehow that makes it not a thing. See, the problem the Republicans have is this guy who did this to Paul Pelosi is without question a trump fuck. You just have to look at his social media post and he's saying all the same things that the trump fucks say. Now, the trump have problems with this because it makes them look bad. So instead, they try to make Paul Pelosi look bad. Isn't that what they always do, whether a woman is raped or something happens where somebody's beat up or a cop kills a black motorist? They always try to blame the fucking victim, and that's what they were doing in this case. They said he was a gay lover. Paul let him in. <laughs> so the video comes out. And the video is very clear. Gentleman walks up to the house with a backpack, with tape, duct tape, rope. Uh, um, he came up with a hammer. He broke into the door and came into Paul and Nancy Pelosi's house. Well, he was disappointed because Nancy Pelosi wasn't there. And I guess he presumed that she was coming shortly because he was just going to sit there and wait for her, kind of holding Paul at bay with a hammer or what have you. Well, then Paul gets on the phone, and he calls the police, and the guy's just sitting there, mainly because this guy thinks he's in the right. He thinks he's a fucking hero, so for whatever reason, Paul can be on the phone to the police, But Paul is kind of couching the things he says because he doesn't want to rile this guy up. The motherfucker's got a hammer. Now, the Republicans were saying, well, Paul said he was a friend. No, Paul did not say he was a friend. They asked Paul who he was. Do you know him? Who is he? The guy, the culprit, the criminal said, tell him I'm a friend. But somehow the Republicans conjured that up into meaning that Paul Pelosi was calling him a friend. No, he wasn't. He was trying to tell him, get there and help me without trying to rile up the guy who was sitting there. Okay, after a few minutes and the police finally figure out what the fuck is going on, they send some cops to Paul and Nancy Pelosi's house. The door had already been broken into. It's on video. Paul didn't let him in. The guy used the hammer to break in the fucking house. And just as the police are coming up, you see Paul and, 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 the, and the criminal fighting over the hammer. 
Now keep in mind, Paul, 82 years old, he doesn't have a lot of strength anymore. He's an old elderly man. And just as the police are coming in, the, uh, the, the culprit gets the hammer away and then goes over and hammers Paul Pelosi in the head in front of the police. And somehow the Republicans get out of this. Well, it was a lover's spat. This was a gay lover. They were in their underwear. And nothing, nothing they said was true. And the proof is in the fucking video. So what do they do now? They stop talking about it and come up with some other bullshit thing. This is the stupidity or the evil in these people. They don't care about justice. They only care about what is expedient for their fucking agenda. So anyway, after his video of his attack on Paul Pelosi was released to the public, David DePape, who is the trump fuck piece of shit, who hit Paul Pelosi on the head, he calls a news station with a message. How does David DePape get the opportunity to call a news station? Now, you would think after you've committed a crime, attempted murder in front of police, you might want to keep it down a little bit, maybe not give too much information because you're probably going to jail for a long time. I'm sure your lawyers aren't happy about you talking to anybody. Well, DePape, a deeply disturbed man, clearly, you can tell when you listen to this interview, and he attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, Back in October, remember what I said about about time we get some fucking justice? Clearly, this clown was uh, radicalized by conservative media. The man has been in prison since the time that he was arrested. On Friday after the release of the video, he called into a San Francisco television station. And, of course, they took the call because that's what tabloid journalism is now. There is no real journalism. And this is what he said. The man stated, I have an important message for everyone in America. You're welcome. Well, that arrogant motherfucker. Does he not realize he's going to jail? And this is of no help. He's saying you're welcome to the Trump fucks because he went and attacked the Pelosi's. DePape continued, I want to apologize to everyone. I messed up. What I did was really bad. I'm sorry I didn't get more of them. It's my own fault. No one else is to blame. I should have come better prepared. So what he what he's saying is you all should be grateful for what he did. And he's apologizing because he wasn't more successful. And as I say, this guy was radicalized by the conservatives. When he's talking to people, whether it be in court or to the police officers or even to this news station, he's spewing these conspiracy theories that are so absurd and so stupid. And this is what I'm saying about these fucks. They're fucking stupid. Absolutely ignorant. They lied about what happened when they didn't even know what happened. And then when it was proved that they were all wrong, they didn't apologize. They didn't do anything of the sort. They just moved on to the next fucking bullshit conspiracy theory. The, 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 
The attacker also claimed people killing it, individual liberties, have names and addresses. So I got their names and addresses so I could pay them a little visit. Oh, you're a tough guy sitting there in jail. Have a heart-to-heart chat about their bad behavior. It's ironic you'd want to talk to somebody about bad behavior when you're you're uh, showing the absolute worst behavior. Now, after this call, it's clear that the pape is exactly where he belongs to keep the uh, people of the area safe. Hopefully, he's going to be locked up for a long time. He will be locked up for a long time. We're talking about kidnapping. We're talking about breaking and entering. We're talking about assault. We're talking about attempted murder. This dumb fuck is going to go to jail. Still, he calls the TV station, how I don't know from fucking jail. And he crows about his successes and his failures about not getting more people. If we want to see justice, we need to see this motherfucker get a long time in jail. 20 plus years, if not more. That will show us a little bit of justice. Again, the uh, common thread throughout this podcast is dumb fucks. So let's talk about one of the dumbest of the dumb fucks, Mike Lindell. Now, we know that Mike Lindell was running for the RNC, and he put up a big fight against Rona, Rona McDaniel, who is the uh, sitting chair of the RNC. He told everybody he was going to win. He's got this. He's got this going. Everybody, the country's behind him. He's got this. Well, when the votes were counted, Ronna McDaniel got 166 votes, which was enough for her to be reelected. Mike Lundell got four votes. And, of course, he's whining and crying about it. He's going and saying, well, the people wanted me. That is clear. And these people who voted for Ronna McDaniel just didn't have the courage. No, Mike, you're a joke. You're a fool. You're a dumb fuck. Nobody wants you. I'm willing to bet the people who work for you at your pillow shop probably don't want you back. You're probably already costing them jobs and money by the bullshit you pulled so far. Now, Ronald McDaniel has served as the RNC chair during the 2018, the 2020, and the 2022 elections. All three of those elections saw spectacular flameouts for the GOP. Democrats have clawed back uh, control of the 2016 um when they took complete control. But that was the last time they took control. So here is the head of the RNC, supposed to be guiding the Republicans through the elections. And they haven't won an election since 2016. This would be a good time to get rid of Ronna McDaniel. Unfortunately, the only two competitors she had were dumbfuck Mike Lindell and some other woman who is an absolute conspiracy theory quoting fucking Trump humper. Now, Rona McDaniel is a supporter of Donald Trump, too. She is the lesser of the three evils, but none of them are worth a shit. Now, McDaniel faced a fierce challenge for her spot this year, both from Harmeet Dillon, the Trump humper, 
and my pillow guy, Mike Lindell, in the end, the niece of Mitt Romney. That's right. Her name, she used to go by Ronna Romney McDaniel. She doesn't do that anymore. I don't think she and Mitt see eye to eye on some things, and having his name in her name probably doesn't benefit her. So Romney easily won the election. All she needed to get was 111 votes, and she surpassed that. Dylan, this Harmy Dylan, got 51 votes, and Mike Lindell, who said he was going to take it all, got four votes. Hilariously, Lindell has claimed that he had enough votes to prevent McDaniel from re-election. He, he didn't say he could win, just prevent her, so that, what, then he could just turn it over to this other dumb fuck Trump humper, Harmeet, whoever the fucker her name is. He said, it'll be like what you've just seen happening in our Congress here, you know. There's going to be multiple votes and there's a three-way race and we all stay in until somebody gets to 85. I have plenty of states now. I believe she's well under 85 with my math. I'd say somewhere between 70 to 75. Seems Mike has some problems with math. It seems like the pillow guy's math wasn't even remotely close. The win could also be seen as a win for Donald Trump. The former president had remained loyal to Ronna McDaniel as his rival Ron DeSantis had chose to back Dylan's play. DeSantis, he's, he's a, just a fucking governor at this point. I got another dumb fucking story with these conspiracy freaks for you. We all know about the Buffalo Bills football player Damar Hamlin. He was playing in a game. He took a hit. He had a cardiac arrest. He was probably near death. He was saved, and he survived. It was miraculous, to say the least. But while all this is going on, while Hamlin is in recovery and he's in the hospital, there was a video of him standing in the window of his hospital room, I think, with a mask on, and he's waving to everybody. Well, these Trumplifucks decided to take this opportunity and say, oh, DeMar Hamlin actually died, and he died of a COVID vaccine. Jesus Christ. And that guy in the window, that's not DeMar Hamlin. And I watch people on TikTok and on YouTube saying, you see, if you look at it from this angle, it's clearly not him. What happened was he died of COVID vaccinations and they've got a body double in there for him. Oh, for Christ's sake. Are you serious? And they insisted that was the case. DeMar Hamlin died of a COVID vaccination. And they had a body double because they didn't want to admit to it. Well, Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin made his first on-camera statement since he experienced cardiac arrest during a game last month, saying he felt that it was finally a good time to share. Hamlin thanked everyone who helped him survive the incident and prayed for him to get better in a video posted to his Instagram on Saturday. And guess what? It was actually him. Well, motherfucker, once again, the Trumplefucks are wrong. 
and they look stupid. So what will they do? They'll just move on to the next stupid fucking thing. DeMar uh, goes on to say, now that my brothers have closed out a strong winning season as I continue to make so much progress recovering, I think it's finally a good time to share a few things, he said. He said he believed waiting to speak publicly was important as he had a lot to process following the incident. Hamlin collapsed during the first quarter of a Monday night football game between the Bills and Cincinnati Bengals on January 2nd. He was hospitalized after suffering cardiac arrest. He didn't die and he didn't have a reaction to a COVID vaccine. Not even fucking close. Basically, he tackled a player during the game. He got up, but then he fell to the ground moments later. He maybe got hit just right, or there's, I I don't know if it's something in his heredity that caused him to have this cardiac arrest, but it's a rare thing. I mean, he's 24 years old, 23 years old. He needed to be resuscitated twice, once on the field and a second time at the hospital after his heart stopped. So this This young man was in crisis. Now, there's been a lot of support for Hamlin to recover, and it's poured in across the NFL and the country. People also donated more than $8 million to a toy drive fundraiser he set up before before he started playing in the NFL as a way of rallying around him. He said, I can't tell you how much I appreciate I am of all the love, all the support, and everything that's been coming my way, Hamlin said. He said he believes what happened to him was God using him as a vessel to share his passion and love with the world, and he can give that back to children and communities worldwide. So, as I pointed out, COVID vaccine had nothing to do with it. He didn't die and there was a body double. We know this because now there's a fucking video that proves it. And you Trumplifucks, you dumb motherfuckers are embarrassed again. Well, you better start getting used to it because there's going to be a lot of a lot of embarrassment handled, handed out over the next couple of years through 2024. And by the time you get to 2024... They're going to have the vultures picking the, the, the meat off your bones because there won't be much left for you. So since we're on the, um, on the um, stupid fucks of the Republican Party, you can't talk about stupid fucks unless you talk about George Santos. This dumb shit gets himself in more trouble every goddamn day. For more than a dozen contributors listed as having donated significant amounts of money to the campaign of Representative George Santos, the finance documents cannot be confirmed. So there's an investigation. He's saying all these people donated money, but there's no proof of it. Donors identified as Victoria and Jonathan Rieger, for example, purportedly each contributed the maximum amount allowed, $2,800, for Santos' first bid to the House seat in New York in 2020, which he lost. Now, despite a a search of databases, no one named Victoria or Jonathan Rieger could be located anywhere in the U.S., Additionally, the outlet added that they're listed 
address 45 New Mexico Street, Jackson Township, New Jersey, doesn't even fucking exist. Santos' uh, 2020 campaign finance reports also listed uh, Stephen Berger at an address on Brant Road in Brawley, California, donating $2,500. But a spokesperson for rancher and Republican donor William Brant told Mother Jones he has lived at the Brant Road address for at least 20 years, and neither he or his wife have made any donations to George Santos. Brandt has no idea who Steven Berger might be. Separately, the document points to another $2,800 campaign donation attributed to a friend of Santos who denied mother denied to Mother Jones that he contributed. So you see what's happening here. The whole idea of how he donated $700,000 to his own campaign and then he redid his financial records and said, well, no, I got it from somebody else, and then had a treasurer that isn't his treasurer allegedly sign this thing. He just gets himself in more trouble. What we can see what he did here was basically basically have a bunch of money coming from one or two sources, probably Russian sources, and then he had to spread them out to make them look legal. So this dumb fuck makes everybody these fake names donate the absolute maximum amount, all the same amount. This guy is a liar, but he's not even a good liar. He's a horrible fucking liar. And if anybody thinks, especially in the Republican Party, that he is long for this world, and when I people always say, oh, you're threatening people's life. Nah, that's not what I mean. When I say long for this world, what I really mean is long for the House of Representatives and freedom. Because the things he's done has are highly illegal. And if you don't think he's going to get caught for this, well, just look at what he's doing here. The motherfucker's an idiot. He's like Donald Trump. He can't help but implicate himself every time he opens up his mouth. Like the idea of saying, oh, okay, I didn't put the 700000 myself. Somebody gave it to me. Well, that's just as fucking bad. You had a uh, Treasury Secretary's signature um, forged, and we know this because the Treasury sector Secretary that you said signed it said, no, I didn't sign that. And now you're telling us that five or six or $700,000 came from a donor. Well, you dumb fuck, you can't get that much money from one person without it being a problem and without it being illegal. So Santos, Santos is done. He's a fucking joke, just like the rest of the Republican Party. Now, we heard some stories that came out about uh, Attorney General Bill Barr under Donald Trump. Now, legal experts are now weighing in on Thursday's bombshell massive and months-long reporting from the New York Times that reveals among several previously unknown allegations that then-Attorney General Barr and his special counsel, John Durham, who found absolutely nothing, even though the Republicans were sure this was going to flip the election, they were handed apparent evidence of suspicious financial acts by Donald Trump. These dumb fucks were looking for ways to discount 
the investigation into the Russia connection with Donald Trump. And all they could find was suspicious financial acts by Donald Trump. And then they proceeded to create a false public narrative that Durham's investigation found evidence of suspicious financial dealings related to Trump, suggesting it was on the part of the FBI, not the president, in order to protect the president. I was talking about this with Ed in a previous podcast. And thanks to Ed for stopping by yesterday. But these dumb fucks should know by now that the crime is one thing, but the cover-up is way bigger. And the problems are just beginning. I said this about Bill Barr in the last podcast. He's been doing a pretty decent job of trying to rehabilitate himself by talking against Donald Trump and that sort of thing. But while he was in office, while he was attorney general... He broke some norms and some laws. To let Mr. Barr get away with what he did while he was attorney general would be tragic. And once again, show the people of this country that there is no justice. On one of Mr. Barr and Durham's trips to Europe, for example... According to people familiar with the matter, Italian officials, while denying any role in setting off the Russia investigation, unexpectedly offered a potentially explosive tip linking Mr. Trump to certain suspected financial crimes. But that didn't fit their narrative. They were looking for crimes by the FBI in investigating Donald Trump and his connections to Russia. So instead of going after the real crimes, they attempted to cover it up and then go after something that didn't even exist. The Times adds that Mr. Barr and Mr. Durham never disclosed that their inquiry expanded in the fall of 2019 based on a a tip from Italian officials to include a criminal investigation into suspicious financial dealings related to Mr. Trump. Mr. Durham never filed charges, and it remains unclear what level of an investigation it was, what steps he took, what he learned, and whether anyone at the White House ever found out. The extraordinary fact that Mr. Durham opened up criminal investigation that included scrutinizing Mr. Trump has remained secret until now. This is exactly what I'm talking about. William Barr needs to be investigated in depth. He was the top law enforcement officer in this country all the time he was attorney general for Donald Trump. And the things he did were criminal. And he should not be let go from this thing. They should be all over his shit. He should be held accountable for the crimes he committed. Now, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Lawrence Tribe, a guy I have a lot of respect for, a constitutional law expert who literally wrote the book on the Constitution, calls the Times report jaw-dropping. He said, when Durham unexpectedly found evidence of crimes committed by rather than against Donald Trump, he and Barr deliberately deceived the nation into thinking the opposite. 
This deep dive by the New York Times is as jaw-dropping as anything I've read in the past decade. And that's saying a lot. The past six years, all the shit that Donald Trump has done, and this is the most jaw-dropping? Oh, man. We're asking for justice. But you've got to understand, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, New York, Washington, D.C., Georgia, there is just so much shit. How do you stay on top of everything? I've told you before, we only need one indictment for Donald Trump to shut his ass down. I presume we're going to get more than one indictment from several entities, DOJ, Georgia, New York, those sorts of things. There's going to be multiple indictments, and that will bury Donald Trump and put him in court for the rest of his life. He will not run for re-election in 2024. I don't care what anybody says. He will not be in a position to do it, either physically, emotionally, financially, or even in terms of the perception that he's giving off. Everything around Donald Trump is diminishing. He can't hold the big rallies anymore. He can't grift the money that he once did. The Republicans don't support him anymore. His own donors are walking away from him. So Donald Trump becomes weaker and weaker every fucking day. Every day. Donald Trump is not going to be a factor in 2024. And I'll say it here and now, and I'll stand by it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Ron DeSantis won't be a factor either. Ron DeSantis is already weakened. He's a poor candidate. The only reason people like him is because he's a a racist, an anti-Semite, a a misogynist. He is uh, doing criminal things while governor of the state, and he's going to have to be accountable for those things. He may not think he will, or he may think he can get out of it, but he won't. He won't. You can't do the things he's doing and get away with it. He won't be a factor in 2024. I don't know who the Republicans will have, but it won't be those two fucking clowns. I guarantee you that. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.